Information about the world of running, inspiration to fuel passion and excellence, and ideas for making connections and finding community. You're listening to A to Z Running. Welcome to the A to Z Running Podcast, where we help runners thrive. I'm Andy. And I am Zach. And this week, we're talking about what to do after the race. So you run the race. Now what? Besides recovery, which we touched on in very practical detail recently. So if you didn't hear that episode, go back to the post-race recovery episode and listen to it, because it's good if I do say so myself, (laughs) then you have to think about other things because it's not just about recovering quickly from the race and there is so much more. So including a post-race reflection, which you will find in this episode shortly. Mm -hmm. Additionally, stick around after that for three things from the world of running, including a world record U.S. road championship event and the tragic death of a world-class runner. Very sad. Mm -hmm. So for good or ill, There's lots to know about running, and all of that starts by going to a to z running.com, looking for the word follow. Mm -hmm. And then it continues by going to YouTube and finding a to z running and subscribing. And then it continues further (laughs) by going to all of the podcast platforms like Apple and Google and the many others, as well as all the social media places. I feel like this is the every week you just go on and on about all the places. Anyway, we're all the places and we love to connect with you on each of those platforms so we appreciate you and this week we gave a little snippet from our episode with Courtney Ferricks if you missed that that was last week and we had a quote there saying I knew I was in the right place because the overwhelming feeling I was having was gratitude and that was answering Zach's question about how she knew she was in the right state of mind for the Tokyo Olympics where she was the silver medalist now this kind of started a conversation in the thread about the feeling of anxiety or nervousness. And I replied that a coach once told me that the feeling of nervousness and excitement, your body doesn't know the difference between the two. The same thing is happening in your body, no matter which of those you have decided to label it. And I wanted to dig into that a little further because I wanted to see what's the actual research surrounding that. And I do have some interesting tidbits to share. I found an article by Business Insider which discussed this topic and cited Harvard research. The professor who did the research was Allison Wood Brooks, and she indicated that calming yourself down when you're anxious is exactly the wrong thing to do because you're in an arousal state. Her research shows that shifting from anxiety, a negative state of high arousal to a high or to a calm, a positive state of low arousal is so difficult. And when you're racing, Mm. this is my So it's the wrong thing to do when performance is the goal. Exactly. So switching it to then uh, a high arousal that is productive is going to be both easier to do and more helpful. It's difficult to switch from uh, a high state to a low state because anxiety has a powerful momentum of arousal. It shifts our heart rate, our breathing rate, and activates the release of hormones designed to keep us vigilant, alert, and awake. So we actually want these things, but we don't want the negative state of mind. We want the arousal before the race without the dread of fear. So excitement, by contrast, involves an almost identical physiological state with a different story. 
a story that welcomes and looks forward to the event instead of dreading it or being fearful of it. So the subjects performed better at tasks when shifting the arousal to excitement rather than trying to calm down, rather than trying to do this mental shift from high arousal to low arousal. We could probably do a whole episode in this, but we won't. This is where we're going to leave it for today. But because there's a lot really to unpack there. Because you don't want to hear us continue to talk about arousal. However, you do want to hear from this episode's sponsor because once more, we've got Rooftree on the docket Mm -hmm. and they've got great products for you. Yes. So Rooftree, you've heard us talk about it, but I want to give you a snippet today, a little bit of research that I've been doing. What do you want to do with the massage gun before a workout? Mm. So you want to turn on your massage gun to low power And at low power, you want to use the softest and largest head. You should probably turn it back off so that people trying to listen to us don't hear buzzing in their ears constantly. I'm going to do that. So gently move the head along the muscles without lingering too long at any particular muscle group. You don't want to overdo it. But you do want to get some of those larger muscle groups. And uh, the reason why you you want to avoid lingering or getting too deep is because deep tissue work can cause soreness and muscle tightness if done before a run. So why would you want to use a massage gun before running? Well, it wakes up the muscles and relaxes body tension, enhances range of motion, and stimulates nerve production, which dilates the blood vessels, uh, improving mobility and blood flow prior to your run. Mm. Now, a word of caution. Because if you have a sore muscle and you're thinking to yourself, I'll use that massage gun on my sore muscle before workout, remember that chances are the muscle is sore because there's some amount of lingering damage to the tissues. And that massage gun is causing a percussive effect against those damaged tissues. So many of our athletes have discussed this with us. I had the sore spot. I was trying to use the percussion massage gun and it seemed to be not feeling a lot better and uh, possibly sometimes feeling worse. I would not recommend it on the sore muscle right before Mm -hmm. a workout. Well, you could do, it depends on the amount, right? This is all very nuanced, but if you want to get a little bit of blood flow to that area, you just would do it super lightly. Or maybe you do a manual massage over it just very lightly to get the blood flowing. And again, with that nerve production to dilate the blood vessels and improve that blood flow, which is going to help you in recovery, but also warming up that sore muscle. So roof tree health. Rooftree Elite Massage Gun is what we're using on a daily basis. So thank you to this week's sponsor. And now let's talk about our main topic. Okay, so we are talking about post-race stuff a bit lately, and and that's in large part because this is the time of year when many of you are running a kind of goal race. We've got a lot of the major marathons happened and a couple more happening, um, and we've got certainly the fall racing kind of circuit as far as the Western Hemisphere goes tends to be a popular time for people to be running their goal races. So that being the case, We wanted to spend a little bit more time breaking down some of the key considerations for all of us after we have run a race. You're done with that goal race. Now what do you do? Mm -hmm. We talked about recovery. If you missed that one, go back and listen to it. Um, and, And we've established in our minds that there are two more R's like recovery that make a lot of sense here. This time we want to talk about reflection. Mm hmm. 
So starting with reflection, I wrote an entire blog post on it that I just published hot off the press. So we'll be linking to that so that you can use this as a resource for you as you unpack your races. And another thing, another reason is because we digest races with our athletes. So putting this down and like having some questions that we ask ourselves as we reflect can be helpful and doing it right after the race even if we want to just immediately like forget it if it was a hard thing or celebrate and then just make a brand new goal right off the bat without digesting then you know this is going to help us do this better so a couple questions we ask ourselves what can i celebrate about this race and we have to start there we have to start with positivity because celebrate good times. Come on. Come on. <laughs> so we want to celebrate our races and there's many ways to do this. There are things we can celebrate even if it was a difficult day. Maybe you were able to finish. You had strength to carry you to the finish. Your body was working for you in this awesome way. Maybe you were able to travel. That's an awesome course. You had friends there. There could be many things to celebrate when it comes to race day. We were talking with Joe Nemec on the podcast after he ran a 217 marathon to qualify for the 2020 Olympic, U.S. Olympic marathon trials. Um, so set the stage there, 217 marathoner, good times. Um, and he had one of those experiences where he attempted that qualification time in the Chicago marathon fall of 2019, didn't go super hot. Um, and then he attempted it again only a few months later in January of 2020 and ran the time. In fact, ran just about two full minutes under the goal time. And so then we had him on the show and we got to talk about this. And one of the things that came up in that conversation was um, when you get the opportunity to summit the mountain. And so, you know, when you can accomplish the thing you set out to accomplish or you you do the challenging task that you intended to do, um, it's, it's often a healthy thing to spend a few minutes on top of that mountain and admire the view, as mm -hmm. we describe. Um, and, and we have that kind of a conversation with our athletes, too. Um, but, but the principle of it here is that it's, it's really important to be able to enjoy successes mm -hmm. and, and hard-earned uh, accomplishments or challenges completed and those kinds of things. Um, when we struggle and we come out the other side of the struggle— uh, for good or ill, when we make it through the struggle, it's important to acknowledge what we've gone through um, and and the positives that surround yeah. that. So I, I fully condone the celebration of successes. Um, there's probably a better and worse way to do that. Um, <laughs> Physically, yeah. Well, and uh, with you know, with respect to how we interact with other people, you know, sure. I probably when I score a touchdown, I probably shouldn't stand over my opponent celebrating loudly over his face. Although sometimes it's funny when you see athletes do that in pro sports. So I also am not going to condemn good them. Sportsmanship. I feel like I runners seem to be. I think a good little sports. bit of taunt is kind of. It I like adds a, some spirit I like to the sport. I like the little Timothy Chariot, <laughs> Jacob Ingebrigtsen action where like mm -hmm. Timothy Chariot immediately congratulated Jacob Ingebrigtsen at yeah. the Olympics in the 1500, gave him his bracelet. That was beautiful. That's a different That's a different. You also story. like a little bit of Usain Bolt. It's just like eh. so Showman. much excitement. <laughs> and maybe maybe his competition feels a little bit badly when they see him just like, you know, going off, just doing all the crazies. Um, but at the same time, it was still yeah, fun. Yeah, it's not mean to anyone else. But I do want to have on another note. I didn't. I didn't have this as part of the question, but if there is something that you are sad about, we don't want to gloss over disappointment. Now we talked to Kate Grace about how we have to like feel those feelings, but don't let those feelings dictate our actions 
right away. So we want to do the recovery, take care of our body, even when we're feeling disappointment and discouragement. And maybe we're like, we don't want to run anymore. Like that marathon was so hard and heartbreaking. Uh, We got to give ourselves some time and we are allowed to feel those feelings of disappointment. I don't want to gloss over all the hard work that goes into training. You put our mind, our body and our souls into our training sometimes. So it's important to be able to have that moment where we feel sad, but also Put it in perspective. Find the things that were really great about what you were able to do on that day or in that training cycle. So you're you're somewhat jumping the gun because you're talking about lessons learned too, yeah. um, and and some of these other questions we might ask. But so regardless of the degree of disappointment, it is very important to find something worth you know rem- remembering. Mm-hmm. I guess I could say um, that is important because. Otherwise, we tend to find it dispiriting and we yeah. do not want runners to finish even even a, a disappointing result. We don't want you to finish that thinking, why bother? Woe is yeah. me. You know, like th- those kinds of things are very difficult to get out of. So look for a thing to celebrate, but understand that if it was a disappointing experience, which many of us, if not every one of us who calls ourselves runners have experienced disappointment, um, that is real. It is important to acknowledge that and to see in it. What, what it is and what it can be for us mm-hmm. if, if there's something to be learned or taken away, which is the next question. It is. Fact. And this is a loaded one. What did I learn, practice, experience, or accomplish in this race? Because we realize races have all different purposes. So we can unpack this in a variety of ways. A lot of times pre-race, you have an idea of what you want to get out of that race. And I encourage that for all of you. Even if it's like, I want to have a great experience during this race. It's just about having fun. Tell yourself you're going to wave, you're going to smile, you're going to encourage other people because then you're more likely going to achieve that objective. So let's start, though, first with what did I learn or practice? So, Zach, we tell our athletes often to practice doing fueling, footwear, things of that nature. Let's say that this race was a race where that's leading into a big race. What are some of the things that we try to take away from an early season race or a tune-up race? Well, we're we're parsing we're, we're parsing a bit here too because um, we're not trying to suggest that you should have like a, a protracted in-depth reflection after every time you run. Um, and so, in in concept here, if this is not your key goal race, it doesn't necessarily warrant the degree of reflection we're discussing here too. Um, That's true. But yeah, there's there's always things that we're working on as runners. Um, well, I, I guess not always. Uh, you know, sometimes I'm just doing it because I'm doing it and enjoying it. Um, but if the presumption here is that you're trying to improve, that you're trying to go somewhere progressively, um, then there should be something to practice or learn from. And and that's the, the myriad considerations are um, as infinite as number of things you could possibly do in a run. So am I practicing a particular element of that race, of that distance? Am I trying to put some kind of strategy to the test or some kind of uh, item, apparel, clothing, shoes, uh, you know, that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, am I trying to see what running in certain conditions is like? You know, all those things. Mm-hmm. So the, the consideration here as I should really have in my mind um, what are the things that I want to take away from this yeah. before I begin the thing? Now we're talking about after you've already done it. And so if you didn't already have some of those things in mind, um, it, it doesn't necessarily mean you can't still have the reflection, sure. but after the fact, considering what is, what was I working on in that particular run mm-hmm. and thinking then about what do I want to do better the next time Absolutely. I do that. 
So this is very practical, this next question. How was the experience? Did I enjoy it? Did the details come together? Did I have enough time before the start of the race? Were my accommodations close enough to the race start? There are all kinds of details in this section that I would encourage you to think about, like food availability. Did I walk around the entire evening trying to find a place to eat dinner? Maybe next time I could look it up or get Uber Eats if I was on my feet too much. These are all things that play into race day that sometimes we neglect to think about. And this may also help you in future experiences. So you ran a certain marathon and you might want to run it again. Well, writing down the things that you did that work for you, where you were at the start, how you got there, all of those details can help you prepare yourself for the next time. I know this is like very minute, like fine, fine details, but it is something to add to your your wealth of experience that can benefit you in the future. And remember that whatever socks you wore, if you had a successful race, you can never wash those socks again or it won't help you anymore. So make sure you keep those socks safe and and soiled. (laughs) He's obviously kidding, but that is pretty funny. Oh, well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not at all. That's very important. All right, what did I accomplish uh, is, is the second or third, I guess, layer in this. And um, just, just trying to note, if we're celebrating some things, um, what were the things that I set out to do and did? And trying to document that to some degree uh, accurately because mm-hmm. that, that helps me see where some of those lessons learned need to happen as well. So it's, it's kind of like a contrasting yeah. element. And it there. synthesizes and brings these details to a clearer picture. Now, the next big question is, how did the race play out? And how did this compare to the plan? So we're talking about the lessons learned side of it and all of that. Um, trying to have a plan for a race is is often you know considered to be Hold it loosely, right? Hold because loosely. especially if you do really long distance races, Maybe like marathon and above, <laughs> um, right? So have a plan, hold it loosely. Um, but I I want to counter that general claim because I think if your plan is contingent upon outcome, ba- okay, all right. Four disciplines of execution. I've mentioned this book before on the podcast because it's it's a highly influential thing in my own thinking about goal setting types of work. Um, and so the authors of the book, Four Disciplines of Execution, write about these four th- considerations we have to have. And one of them is the difference between lag and lead measures. A lag measure is the thing that happens as a result of the actions we take. So you've heard me say this before. Pace is a lag measure. Pace is an outcome or an output, not an input. It's the result of the effort you give, okay? So a lag measure is itself not the thing that should be the plan. This is the key consideration here. The plan needs to be the lead measures, which are the things you do that create the outcomes or the lag measures. That's from four disciplines of execution. Now, in running, the lead measure is my effort. That's the thing you always control no matter what's happening, no matter what the conditions, no matter how you feel on the day, you always control the degree of effort you're giving. Then the result of that effort is things like pace or the time you ran for the event race. Mm-hmm. Consider simply this. If it's 100 degrees and 100% humidity, your same effort versus 50 degrees and 50% humidity will result in a slower pace. No matter what, it's not possible Science. to run <laughs> a long distance race at the same pace for the same effort. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean your goal has to be the pace no matter what the conditions are? If it is, it is tough to hold that plan strongly because too many things affect it. So this is my argument. Create a plan that you fully control as much as you can, as much as possible. And then 
you can always execute the plan. Nearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to ruffle some feathers with that one. I, know, I hope pa- so. You'll love the, the pace plan. But uh, we do want to have some other considerations and questions that we ask ourselves. Like, how was my fueling? Mm, especially for the long distance races. Yes. Yep. Fueling and hydration are major considerations for distance races. Note when, what, and how much fuel you took during the race. Because you probably had a plan for it and it might have gone differently if you missed a cup or if, you know, you dropped your gel before you finish. Try to note how much you had. I know this, again, you think, oh, I'll remember it. But you forget by time, you know, you're six months later and going for another long distance race. So, And compared against conditions. Compared against conditions. Sure. How did your body respond to it? What was the kind of nutrition? And then when considering fueling, we also want to think about the days in the morning leading into the race. Mm. Was your stomach okay on this stuff? Like, even if everything went perfectly, write that down because you probably want to replicate that. So be grateful if no bad GI issues happened and then copy your same plan before or, you know, add to it with consideration if there's more information that you find about yourself and how you do during your next cycle. And then if it went poorly, write it all down. Even if you don't know the why or what exactly was was the problem, when you're in your next training cycle, you can try those elements. Like the night before I had this this dinner. Have that dinner and run run a steady state the next day and see, like, was it maybe that dinner? And, and you know, these are just ways that we can make ourselves better by trying new things. Great stuff. Or the stuff. same thing. <laughs> Great stuff. Okay, so next on the docket here for this reflection would be something like what are key takeaways from the race um, that help me adjust and move forward. And so we've talked about then thinking about those takeaways, thinking about the lessons learned. But what does that mean for what I'm doing next time or next? Um, And that's where how can I apply those lessons is a very challenging thing. You know, if I if I struggled with some aspect of the race or with some aspect of the training and preparation, do I know what to do differently mm-hmm. to better achieve the goal? And most of us have a really hard time with that. So that's where that we constantly talk about, you know, the student of the sport thing. Um, at the very least, trying to figure out what those things are and then spend some time trying to learn about what kinds of things make a difference for that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you had a hard time with the pace, if you had a hard time finishing the long race, if you had a hard time feeling comfortable or rhythmic throughout, you know, some of those kinds of mm-hmm. things. And for some of us, it's just needing more race practice. So then that can help us get some tune-up races on the schedule. For instance, for me, I have a hard time going out and being more aggressive. I am a patient runner. And so for me, maybe it's like, okay, I'm going to try a 10K and I'm going to go out aggressively and I might have a hard time with that. But I need to test these waters and work on this element that I am weak in at the moment. So it can help us make that plan moving forward. So along those same lines, thinking about or noting what I did in training. So if you're not already using something that's tracking your training, like the Garmin stuff or the Strava stuff, um, you ought to be. Or just in a notebook. This is good. Yes, that's what I'm saying. This is good general practice um, to keep things like training logs and such. Um, But in large part, it's, it's not because of the moment to moment stuff, although there's value to that too, but it's because of the trending over time stuff that really makes the biggest difference. Um, and most of us, even those of us who diligently utilize some of those things or keep our own training logs, um, at no point go back and look at them. I think that's probably 
a missed opportunity. Um, and and so and, and he's like, I'll I don't admit, ever do that. I'll admit that I like will occasionally do it, but I don't do like a long like a long look. You know what I'm saying? But here's the point. Most of us don't do that because what, what would we learn from it? We don't even know what it is that we're learning by going back and looking at it, if anything. Um, and so I think that this is the moment when there's something like, look at how the race went and things that went well, things that didn't go well, go back and look at my training for the last 10 years or so. And then I can find out, oh, I didn't even get anything out of Andy with that one. I thought for sure she'd react, but she didn't that time. All right. And, and find out over time, trending types of things. Um, Notice what do I do a lot of or not a lot of? What do I do at certain times or timing? Um, and if I don't have a substantial background or understanding in training and training progression and some of those kinds of things, it might not mean a whole lot to me. So either talk with someone who does and share some of these thoughts with them. I'm sure that all of us have some other running buddies that may or may not have other insights. So it's always good to reflect with other people. Uh, but also, Read some of the books is always a good idea. Um, I know Jack Daniels running formula is a great place to start for runners to get a really wide breadth of understanding of like almost everything that influences running because he covers just about everything. Um, but it's not necessarily by itself going to be enough, but it'll at least get you started. Mm -hmm. And if you have a coach, unlock this stuff, unlock this stuff in your training. If you digest and you synthesize, excuse me, and you come up with some key takeaways and then, you know, things in your training you want to change to move forward, talk to your coach. If you don't have a coach, we coach. So feel free to reach out to us because we can help you look and evaluate and thoroughly go through training, customize training for you and your experiences. So always good to try to consider these things, reflection in general ought to happen as soon as possible after the thing I'm trying to evaluate. Um, so in that sense, don't let too much time go by, as Andy said earlier, before a reflection. But understand that there are some other elements here in the now what kind of consideration. And so I need to do that reflection before I kind of move on to some of these other elements in a sense. Um, the order matters. Um, and in that, recovery is one of the key mm -hmm. aspects here that we did already address, yes. um, as mentioned previously on the podcast. And I don't think you have to have the reflection before you start thinking about recovery because recovery right. begins the moment you're done with the thing. But I definitely want to make sure that I address recovery well and thoroughly. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the pieces in that reflection too. Mm -hmm. um, so it, in knowing what best to do, go back and listen to that episode. Yeah, if you didn't that episode. And we also talked to Anne-Marie Kirkpatrick about that. Uh, even Kate Grace was talking about how we need it to be an immediate reaction. Like this needs to be habitual. So it's not thinking or feeling. It's just doing recovery because it's what we've been doing and trained ourselves to be focusing on. So if you've got reflection, then recovery, what's the final R in the three R's that I mentioned earlier is to restart. Mm -hmm. What does it look like and mean to then begin again? Mm -hmm. But first off, we you, should say, sometimes you shouldn't think about that for a little bit. <laughs> right. But but part of the restarting means taking a break and not restarting too quickly. Um, that's it. That's built into the recovery side of it as well. But, but we're obsessed, Zach. We're obsessed with running. And we want to get are? back as soon as possible. Nah. So what should we do? If Runners we want to like get back to moving, which we should move, that aids in recovery and blood flow, as we mentioned in the previous episode. So how about between seasons? Yeah, there's two, there's two mindsets here. The one is one big goal to the next big goal. Uh, many of us don't like not having the big target. Like that's one of the motivating factors and that's good. There's, there's nothing wrong with that, uh, but it's probably good to have enough space between these big goals that we can substantially do the right things in the right ways as well. Um, and part of that may mean that I've got some time. Let's say you finish a fall marathon and your next thought is 
a spring marathon in like May. Well, that's a lot of time. That's not really one training cycle. It's it's substantially more than one training cycle in terms of what we tend to think of as an amount of time for a cycle. So there may be kind of like an in-between mm-hmm. time, an off-season, if you will, or an in-between season. Runners don't have off-seasons, <laughs> uh, not not in the strict definition. However, runners do do some of the things that other athletes call their off-season right. work. And this isn't always a fascination to me. Um, we Runners like call it like I'm training or not training. Um but and other athletes have like conditioning that you know the preseason conditioning or like the weight room time and all this kind of stuff for runners it's like that's just all part of the whole package um (laughs) but it really is there's there's some reality to this too and so the between season considerations can involve a lot of potential yeah perhaps you'll want to cross train do a bit of cross training as we mentioned in our episode about cycling for runners with dr todd buckingham zach had a great conversation with todd about how we can utilize cycling in our training maybe we focus on pt in our foundations that's what i'm doing right now i'm still running some but i'm having the majority of my energy be spent thinking about how i can run surrounding my pt work and being able to get better and get these foundations uh, i'm not going to compromise them by doing really long intense sessions we, we should probably note here that uh, what you do depends a lot on your state physical mental and otherwise mm-hmm. after a big season so if you're just feeling like burnt out like oh man i'm i just don't even think about running then don't don't think about running <laughs> do do other things um and and if you need some time to just be sedentary that's not bad a week or two maybe um but you know a sedentary lifestyle generally is not terribly help productive re- it also doesn't help with recovery yeah. it also makes it that much harder to re-motivate mm-hmm. at some point so a bit of downtime is a great thing yeah for your mind especially yes. and i mean you're- if you need it Exactly. And well, you have cellular damage. I mean, there's a lot of things that you need to recover. We're not suggesting that you go out and run the next day. Maybe you go for a walk. Maybe you do a light cycle. You're not going to want to hammer your body because it's still in a distressed state that needs to recover. If you've done a marathon, certainly your body needs a recovery. Yes. So back to the point then. Let's assume that you're ready to do something but you're not really trying to get back into uh, the, you know, the structured training focus yet. And what you do during that time is mm-hmm. that's kind of the myriad stuff. So cross training is a great thing because it gives you a chance to uh, stay active without necessarily doing just the same running thing. Uh, for some of us, that's necessary for the mental recovery. Mm-hmm. And then, as Andy mentioned, like strength and mobility types of work. Um, but consider this, whatever you, you do, um, there's two basic ingredients that our bodies probably need all the time it's it's a good idea to keep these things as a part of the experience regardless of what it is that we're doing and whether we're training towards a significant goal or not and the first is if you're a runner assuming you're listening to this because you're a runner and you do something more than like you know half mile races um then the number one most important ingredient for you is aerobic uh, partly because that's the thing that drives everything else that's your foundation and so you need it and you want it to stay active year round minus some small rest times as needed so whatever you're doing look for something that's aerobic um andy mentioned the like the strength and mobility types of stuff that's really important stuff but i should never spend like two months doing just strength and mobility and do nothing aerobic um because that's gonna make it that much more challenging for me 
to move back into the thing. And so what kind of aerobic activity can I do in addition to any of the other stuff um, is always important. And then within that is the neuromuscular side of it as well. And this is a little bit more tricky. If I'm not running, how do I get the right kind of neuromuscular activation? Um, and it's not going to be exactly the same, you know, so if I'm if I'm doing cycling, for instance, the neuromuscular activity is different when you're on a bike than it is when you're running on the ground. However, the same rule, the same theory applies, which is I shouldn't just do only really easy biking all the time. I should have some kind of like get myself moving aggressively. And when you're running, that's best accomplished by doing just quick strides for like 10 seconds, you know, really short stuff. That's just quick and clipping, clipping along. You can do this kind of stuff with drills as well. And, and those kinds of activities, but, um, it's nice to add some, just like something into the long, mm -hmm. easy work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. That's good. It's very good stuff. And I, I do want to throw in there too, the form drills and doing the zombie drills, airplane and front. Yeah, we, those are we great <laughs> to be doing during this time as well, because when you get back to running, you want to do it properly and be engaging all the right muscles. It's amazing how quickly our body can forget. We could spend a fair bit of time talking about what Jay DeSherry writes about posture, the importance of postural types of things, which is what the zombie drills are accomplishing. But the person who told us about that and who has great resources, I'll include them. Actually, I didn't have that in my notes, but uh, Mike Swinger. He has written the book, uh, Runner's Fix, and he has a YouTube channel with all of these zombie drills, why we do them and how we do them. So on the other side then of um, what it is that we need to try to be thinking about during this in-between time is, do I want to be growing, maintaining, or you know, do I want to be losing fitness, I guess is... <laughs> Do you want to be losing fitness? Um, so, and the reason I raised the question is because if I want to be growing my fitness, but I don't necessarily want to spend a lot of time running at the moment, um, I need I need a little bit of a time away from running, but I still want to be working hard towards something um, with the cross training and such. There's there's a certain amount. There's kind of like a minimal amount that I need to be doing that helps accomplish that. Otherwise, I'm either maintaining or losing my progress or fitness. And so in that sense, um, how much is enough is a question there. And unfortunately, we can't really just answer that generically for you. Yeah, it's for it's different. Um, if for instance, and in, when I'm in regular training, I am running 10 hours plus a week, um, usually closer to 12 hours a week of running when I'm in regular training. And so then if I'm cross training and I'm only riding a bike, you know, 45 minutes a day, that's not helping me in any substantial it is, way. It's helping you. And no, it's, it's not. You it's stopping me from losing as much, but it's not well, helping yes, me it's gain. Not, it's helping you like maintain. Yeah, it's and, not and, gaining. and he's like rushing to the defensive. Of, I know. No, but people but, need a rest. Right, it's but you're not of... understanding my point. My okay. point is if you want to be making forward progress, there's a certain minimum that you need to accomplish. So compare it against how much you do in training and say to yourself, if I'm trying to substitute my normal training regimen for a kind of an unstructured time that's just a little bit more free and open, I still need to be doing enough to accomplish whatever the thing is I'm trying to accomplish. If all I'm trying to do is just maintain an activity level, great. Set yourself a bar and then, you know, aspire toward that. But if I'm trying to achieve training goals within this period of time or move toward them, I should say, um, that changes the consideration. That's all I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> all right. Now then what about getting started again, which is the final consideration in the now what thinking after a race? And of course it begins with, when should I get started toward my next? So if, let's say I've got a goal and my goal is in four months. Um, I've got a solid 16 weeks and I'm ready to get started again. Then the answer is soon. Uh, if the goal is soon, 
then the getting started needs to be reasonably soon because you don't want to wait until you're in crunch time to achieve some kind of goal and then tell yourself, oh, I should have been training all that time. That's not a productive thing. However, there's a, there's a best answer here, which is when should I get started back into structured training? And it's the classic, uh, you know, don't ask me when I'll tell you when I'm good and ready. Right. <laughs> so do do that to yourself when you're good and ready, then it's time to get back in. Right. And I say it that way because you let yourself have the time of unstructured period because it can be fun it can be fun and it's almost always running needed with friends to some degree yeah more often wait are you telling people that they shouldn't be running with friends when no i i, I, I do know. too but like know. even more so i'm like hey i'm unstructured right now i'll run whatever you're running you know mm. i see your fun. point yeah and that's kind of it you know look for the aerobic stuff look for some neuromuscular things but but enjoy that unstructured time yeah. however when it's time to get back to business that's when we start to ask the questions of what are the steps in the process that I begin with to move me toward my goal? And I have to know when for the goal in order to answer that question. Um, and so, it, and Andy, a good note of caution that you have, um, make sure that your body can handle yeah. the thing you're trying to do. You know, never yep. force. Th this is uh, Barry McGee's just comment. He's got like these like laws. Barry McGee is ex-coach. He's, 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 he's the New Zealand, yeah. Okay, so he's got these laws that's like you must. Uh, and one of them is uh, we train, don't strain. And and he like, love I have to sign so I have to sign this thing that that is like an agreement with these values. It's great, <laughs> I love it. Uh, but we train, don't strain. And that includes all aspects of the thing. Never force something that your body is not ready to handle. And so his whole thing about restarting, which I just really have appreciated the insight that he's given me on this, is you never add more until you're comfortable doing the thing mm -hmm. you're currently doing. So if I'm getting sore every day from the work that I'm doing, then next week I don't do more. I don't go faster. I continue or even reduce. So if I can't handle it, I have to reduce back until I get to a point that I can handle. But if I'm if I'm not yet comfortable doing the thing that I'm doing right now, then I don't add anything more to the process next week. Mm -hmm. So you only do what your body is ready to handle. Mm -hmm. It's like when you think about skipping steps. What? Skipping steps. Like on the stairs? Forgetting your foundations. You're oh, more likely to get injured. But it's the same thing when you talk about training. You can't go to the next step because you have a gaping hole in your your rise. So you want to be able to move forward each step safely instead of trying to level up really fast, skipping many steps. That's great. That's very true. So think about the what do you need first, what do you need next kind of stuff. And if you're not terribly familiar with training progressions and some of those kinds of things, the first thing that I'll always impart for free, here's your free advice. Um, Isn't this all free uh, advice? I, I know. I'm, I'm just, I'm making a joke. <laughs> like that's why you come to the podcast for free advice. Uh, so the, the main thing is before anything else, you have to build slowly your musculoskeletal structural and Jay DeSherry says stability, coordination and precision strength, uh, that kind of stuff. So you have to build those kinds of things first. Mm -hmm. Your body can't handle more without being structurally sound. And so whatever your starting point is, you build slowly into mm -hmm. that. Um, and, and that's, that's done most effectively by very low effort types of stuff. Initially, um, you, you're not trying to make yourself sore every day. I, I made that comment earlier. You really don't want to be sore every day. Um, that's a bad place to be. And so you you do less than what it would take to make you sore every day, whatever that may mean. And the key here, um, in in for many of us, we talk about things like like total load or total volumes. You know, don't do too much. Um, 
Barry always said, it's not really as much of a concern doing too much as it is doing too hard. Um, and his point isn't that you just jump into 100 miles a week from zero or anything like that. Although that's what he did when he was 17 years old running for Arthur Lydiard. 17 but, is different than 33, That's true too. Um, but the point here is the effort is the thing that we have to ease into the most. I cannot try to start running hard workouts two weeks into my training. Give yourself the time. Go easy. Ease up into it. Build those loads and volumes because that's how you're going to get the musculoskeletal structural strength. Build those loads and volumes before I start trying to go hard. One of the greatest things that you can do for yourself is learn how to listen to your body. Hey there. And this is the perfect time to do so. Listen very carefully. Do check-ins with yourself and your body. If you're not firing the way you're supposed to and you're trying to up your mileage gradually over time, it's still not going to get better. If you're not firing your glute minimus. Oh, talking no. to myself. Okay, so it's good to keep in mind that this is the time of your running, your unstructured time or your time between seasons to check in, to get stronger, to get that musculoskeletal strength, to envision what you want for the future, but then also with that post-race evaluation to have a good reflection that helps propel you forward. You put a lot of effort into that training. You put a lot of effort into that race. Why not get the most out of it by doing a great uh, – destruct of that experience to help you learn from it and make you even better so good so here you go now what you finished your goal race and you're ready for the next thing first reflect next recover well probably do those things at the same time same time yeah and then think about what you are going to do to restart there's your three r's of post-race considerations and now you know exactly what to do right now Let's get on to the world of running. All right, first in the world of running, we got to congratulate many of our own athletes and, of course, the many others who raced at the U.S. 25K Championships event, the Riverbank Run in Grand Rapids, Michigan, among other lo locations and races. But we had ourselves many who raced in the event and other things this weekend. Let's go ahead and run it down here really quickly for, for you. Julie ran a huge PR. Mark, Pete, and Zach all ran PRs. Kathy debuted in the 25K. Always an exciting distance when you've never done it before. It's like it's longer than a half marathon. But it's not that nasty marathon experience sometimes. Good stuff. Lewis ran all three events in the riverbank. They had a 5K, 10K, and 25K, and they were structured in such a way that, yes, if you wanted to, you could do all three. So Lewis did, in <laughs> fact, do all three. So awesome. Christy was fourth in her age group in the 10K, and Dan ran, that's Captain Dan, for those of you in the West Michigan area, ran 30, his 35th riverbank what? run performance, placing second in his age group. He cannot be beat. Seriously. Mostly. And Great work. This was like his third. It was his third week in a row racing. He had Boston and Boston. Then Grand Rapids half marathon. Grand Rapids he half. paced it. And then now his 35th 20. Riverbank run. And yeah. I should mention the Boston was his 10th Boston marathon. So anyway, this guy's Great times. amazing. All right. So, so appreciate working with those of you who did indeed race and run this past weekend. We know um, many, many uh, great, exciting times, um, but. You know, these are highs and these are lows and we get that. So that uh, reflection conversation we just had, you know, it's it's always kind of a keen thing, regardless of the experience, success or disappointment. Good 
to reflect and celebrate. Mm -hmm. Many of you know, because we've mentioned it before, that the 25K Riverbank Run is also the U.S. 25K Road Racing Championships. Ah. Yes. So, so we, number one on the list number for one. our three. Yes. The women's race. Very exciting to watch. It was a little bittersweet for me because I was supposed to be on the start line in the elite field. Definitely knew it was the right thing not to run it when I saw how smoking fast these women were running. Wait, are you trying to tell us that it's good not to run a race if you don't think you can No, perform? I was just thinking because I was already a little, uh, what would you call, vulnerable with my hip flexor. Yeah. And the elite mm. women start seven minutes before anyone else starts and so it's a very small elite field i think there was less than 20 women and i would have been running quite alone i believe if i were to have tried nah. to attempt this race nah. all that to say it was a pleasure to watch these athletes and our own athletes and many of our friends and awz podcast listeners run this race let's get to the women's results mckenna morley won her first ever u.s championship yeah She's had a strong summer on the road circuit thus far, and she's run the Olympic trials 10,000. So it's going to be exciting to see what she does in these distances. I, I believe this is her longest race to mm. date. Interesting. It's 25K. So exciting to see McKenna do so well. And then Erica Kemp, you heard us talk about her because she was the 20K U.S. road racing champion earlier. It was the summer or was it fall still? I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, this is her longest race ah. distance, and I got to talk to her after the event, and she was saying, like, I don't know if this is recommended, but these are close to my longest long run. So oh I saw her post, uh, and I mentioned this, uh, that's why we got in the conversation, that she had told us that she ran, or she posted on Instagram that her longest run was 16 miles. She had ran her longest long run. I'm rambling. Sorry. Uh, but all that to say, this woman can go. She's experiencing these new distances and doing really well with them. So we're excited to have her on the show coming up to discuss racing a variety of distances and jumping on this road racing championship tour that's really pushing her and challenging her in new distances. And then third place was Molly Grable, who is the marathon runner of the trio very strong runner and i know many of you guys love grandma's marathon and i so does molly at least i think so no. at least i know that grandma's loves molly uh. because that's where she hit her personal best marathon time of 235 11 so she was the third place finisher in the 25k road racing championships then on to the men's race and the men's race so your champ here this time around was bia simbasa uh running he's a bowerman track club athlete um champion in a close race and it was close not just <laughs> there was a few of them and it was like the kind of race you know you don't really want a 25k to come down to like a nasty final finish sprint kind of scenario but some of these guys i think just really enjoy that because <laughs> they, they do that and uh, that's exactly what it was he did run in a ravishing time 114 26 uh, not altogether that far off of the american record time that parker stinson set not long ago um and on a brutal course it, yeah it's so a any of you who course. ran it uh they had to change the course this year as, as you know if you ran it and you know that the main difference here in the change were the hills yeah wow late so, race hills late race hills you don't love that but you do what everyone else is doing when you're out on a race course and you run and uh so that was that was pretty impressive now futsum zena <laughs> selassie uh was runner-up um and in that uh, in that sprint finish experience also was sam chalanga for third we've had him on the show 
and we've always enjoyed following his career as he had the kind of like early retirement and then come back from retirement. And so like it's the comeback tour thing. Always exciting to see him racing as well. Mm-hmm. Incredible stuff. Now let's move on to number two on the list. I'm excited to share about a new world record. Lentezabet Gaudet set the new world record in the half marathon, which oh. was a very impressive marathon to, or sorry, a very impressive uh, record to begin with. Yeah. Gaudet not only ran the record, but she pretty much crushed it in over 60 seconds, 70 to be precise, to run the fastest time in the world's history of 102.52. The previous record holder was Ruth Chepnagedich. And that, that actually, the previous ratified record, recall that the record, it was Yehwala who broke Chepnagedich's right. record. Yeah. Um, and ran under 104, the first female to run under 104 in the half marathon, which was crazy. It's not fully ratified. And then Gade breaks it yet yeah. again. So Ethiopian countrywoman breaks the record and uh, now becomes the first woman to run under 103. Mm-hmm. You heard it, under 63 minutes. 102.52 was the official wow. time, and that was set in Valencia. Wow. So now let's add that to the docket because Latessa Bette has both the 5,000 meter track and 10,000 meter track world records. Re- remember that Sifan Hassan broke that 10,000 meter record, and then two days later, Gade broke Sifan Hassan's record. So just like this nasty progression of breaking all the records, mm-hmm. and here here goes one more for Gade. Awesome wow. to see. On a solemn note, we do want to honor a legend who has gone too soon, Agnes Tirop. And her tragic death. She was brutally murdered, allegedly by her husband, who has been apprehended. She's she's mourned by the running community. I don't want to get into all the details, but she leaves a legacy of excellence, holding the women's only 10K record and claiming two bronze medals at the world championships. And anytime in a situation like this, um, you, you can always appreciate as the you know the running community being what it is, um, highly communal and supportive and encouraging. Uh, and so then you hear from many runners all over the world, um, you know, when they hear about the news, expressing their regrets and their sorrow. Mm-hmm. And so certainly many of you have made note of that across social medias and other places, too. Mm-hmm. And so a great loss to the running community yes. whenever a runner moves on or passes. And so um, certainly this is indeed that as well. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the A to Z Running Podcast. If you want that evaluation, that post-race reflection evaluation that we spoke of earlier, I have made a whole blog post about it in more detail than we've even talked about on the podcast. I will link to it. You can also find it at a to z running.com. We're so glad that you joined us. We're so glad for all of you who have been working hard towards these goals or to establish some uh, experience and habits that are going to help you thrive as a runner. And really, that's what it's all about. So thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you next week.